Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. I'm the Bill Arnold part of that sentence. I hope you've been having a great day so far. If you just uh, listened to Susie Larson, I know you had a great day. So glad you're with me. I hope you've stayed on for the program. We've got a couple hours of great shows coming up for you. I've got my uh, colleague from Washington, D.C., Rob Louie, is going to join me in just a minute. And then Dr. Greg Borgon is going to come into the studio. We're going to talk about, have you ever wondered why God has not appeared in any form since the time of Christ walking the earth. And then in hour two, Dr. Tim Walsh will be coming into the studio with um, his guest that he's bringing along with. Uh, his name I, is Ryan and we're going to, Kevin Saunders, and we're going to talk about poverty. That's the show for today. I'm excited for it. And Rob Louie, of course, is the executive editor at uh, The Daily Signal. He's with me on the line now. Rob, welcome. It's great to be back, Bill. Thank you. Thank you. And this marks the very final day of summer. So let's pause just and weep. (laughs) Exactly. Especially for you, it gets a lot colder there uh, early than it does here. I mean, we still have another couple months of uh, mild temperatures, but you'll be uh, welcoming the snow soon, I'm sure. And I would imagine the reunions for your or the anniversary parties for your uh, parents and in-laws were the highlights of the summer? Certainly were, yes. I mean, remarkable to think that uh, both my parents and my in-laws married in 1971, were able to celebrate their 50th wedding anniversaries this summer. Uh, Joyous occasion for for the family. We really uh, appreciated the opportunity to be together. Of course, this year was, you know, quite different than last and, uh, and, you know, not so much... uh, uh, travel restrictions or anything in place, but uh, still, still careful, and everybody made it uh, made it through uh, safely. And uh, you know, we in Washington D.C. continue to uh, have a mayor who you know has has quite a few regulations in place when it comes to to fighting COVID, and sure. um, and we're we're trying to be safe, Bill, but uh, but do so responsibly. I saw this, Rob. The uh, it's a new CDC study that said the portion of five to eleven year olds who are classified as overweight or obese is now forty five point seven percent, up thirty six percent before the pandemic. It's one of the consequences for sure. I mean, Bill, I I have to say, I mean, I see it with my own kids. Uh, you know, when they. Uh, were not in school when they were doing virtual learning. It was more challenging, particularly because the adults are busy. Let's face it, we've got full-time jobs as well. And so taking them outside and getting them the exercise was a challenge, particularly in the winter months when nobody really wants to be outside in the cold weather. Uh, But we did our best, and it's one of the reasons why we we took up things like golfing on the weekends uh, and and trying to shun the the golf cart and do do the walking. Because I think it's so important that our kids get the exercise they need. And, and I think, frankly, it's, um, you know, there are other complicating factors. So there's the physical health that we're talking about in terms of the weight gain. But then there are other complicating factors that come in down the line or, or the mental health challenges that uh, the students face. So I know that uh, schools are doing their best. But 
Uh, you know, I'm disappointed that even though the federal government has allocated so much money to schools that a lot of districts seem to be reapportioning that money to other things. Mm. Uh, and then I just read an article this afternoon, Bill, that the rapid test that so many schools were counting on, uh, they might not now have the funding uh, to pay for some of these rapid tests to to ensure that the, the students are, um, are are attending classes safely. So I'm not really sure what's going on. I do know that there was an exorbitant amount of money coming out of Washington uh, to address um, COVID. And it seems like uh, some people have really uh, taken advantage of that and are, are pursuing um, you know other aims, maybe longer term projects that they've always wanted to get done rather than the short term needs that uh, we need to address with our kids. Mm-hmm. And I assume the Bluey boys are doing burpees with dad in the morning? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I wish I could get my kids, you know, my, my routine bill is uh, I'm training for these two races. So I'm okay. doing a, a 10 mile race at, uh, at George Washington's Mount Vernon uh, this weekend, right uh, here locally in the DC area. And then I'll be going up on Columbus Day weekend to run uh, the famous uh, Utica Boilermaker 15K nice. road race, uh, which my father has run every single one since uh, 1978. And I um, have done the last uh, dozen or so with him. So I uh, train in the mornings, and I wish that my kids would come out and run with me, Bill. But um, they're not quite there yet. Maybe <laughs> it'll take yeah. a few more years. But uh, but no, it's it's really good to see so many things uh, hopping on on Capitol Hill. Uh, you know, just across the street, I've got a great view of the U.S. Capitol and. And, you know, they are back in session finally after what was like, what, a seven week recess? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I hope the members of Congress really enjoyed their time back home and got a lot done. But there's certainly some big deadlines that uh, we're staring at here on Capitol Hill. So uh, lots of work to do. Yeah, I want to get to some of those. I also just want to st- stay on the COVID thing for just a little bit because it is important to have public confidence. And I see the San Francisco mayor got blasted for dancing maskless at a crowded club. And of course, we we need to we need, we need they need to be consistent. The public officials, if they want to build public confidence, that's right. And one of the things that uh, my colleagues at the Heritage Foundation have done is put together a COVID hypocrisy tracker of the uh, elected officials um, across all political parties, sure. Republican and Democrat, who have uh, broken the rules that they put in place. Uh, it's happened right here locally um, in, in in Washington D.C. and it's happened all across the country. And I think that's one of the things that frustrates Americans is that they're told that they need to comply with these mandates and regulations and they need, you know, not so much anymore, but I mean, they, uh, you know, had to shut their businesses and, and in some cases, you know, never reopened because they, they just couldn't get back, uh, back off the ground. And, and when they see other people uh, violating, uh, so the people who put those rules in place, violating them, uh, I can imagine why they, they lose public trust and confidence in those elected officials and why they have, uh, you know, doubts about whether or not they uh, should take these these seriously. So it's um, it's a concern. It's one of the reasons why I think Joe Biden has approached this uh, in the wrong wrong way when it comes to his vaccine mandate. Rather than lecturing and shaming the American people, I think he should be celebrating the progress we've already made with, what, 54 percent of Americans fully vaccinated. I think there are things that the CDC could do to clean up its act and be more consistent in its messaging. Same thing with Dr. Fauci. And maybe you'll get to um, you know, a higher percentage of the population being vaccinated that way rather than lecturing them that they're uh, irresponsible and doing something inappropriate. Uh, that's an excellent point, Rob. I mean, it's um, people are quick to respond in in uh, positive and negative ways. There's not a lot of gray area when it comes to this. 
Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely correct. And we look, we've seen, we've already seen that uh, a large number of those who are most vulnerable, I think it's over 80% now of the most vulnerable populations have received the vaccine. That number could even be higher, Bill, since I last checked. But uh, but those who you know, face uh, increased likelihood of being hospitalized or even death, unfortunately, uh, have, go- have turned out and, uh, and have gotten the vaccine. It's actually the people who voted for President Biden, the millennials and the younger generation, uh, those who are, are, you know, in the 18 to say 30 year olds who are somewhat reluctant to get the vaccine. Um, so I, 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 I don't know, um, you know, why it's a circumstance that I think each of them individually probably has their own reasons. But uh, but yeah, imposing these mandates on some of the employers, uh, every employer with over 100 employees, you know, will uh, will inevitably seem uh, face some sort of punishment. We, we're still waiting for the government to write the rules on these. So we don't know exactly what what it's going to say. But uh, that disproportionately affects those who are uh, maybe in lower income jobs and those, um, you know, who have made a decision for whatever reason, whether it be personal, religious or, or, or you name it, uh, that they uh, don't want to get the vaccine. And I think that um, certainly we, we all want to be done with COVID. Uh, but the president has unfortunately, I think, taken the wrong approach here. And, uh, and he can maybe set things straight when he directs OSHA to, to write these rules and do so in a way that is uh, not causing um, uh, greater greater problems than we already uh, find ourselves in. Mm-hmm. I read that the N95 mask, which is the surgical grade mask, uh, the the ones that the doctors wear, they will keep out uh, 2.325 microns, which is pretty tight. But the COVID virus is 1.25 microns, so it's a little bit sneakier. It, it sure is, and uh, and I, I same thing. I mean. All of the schools, at least in our area, are requiring students to wear masks. Um, and I, I, I bought a N95 mask uh, for for my kids, and they said, "Look, Dad, I can't. You know, I, this is wearing this for the entire day is just, you know, it's too, too hard to breathe, and it's not, you know, not not good." So, I mean, they're back with the cloth masks, which I know are even less uh, less safe than than the N95 mask. But, uh, you know, uh, this is why I think that there are other steps that uh, we, we should probably be taking. I mean, we've talked about it a lot, just having the good hygiene and, and, and common sense, Bill. I mean, right. at the end of the day, I think that probably goes a lot farther than, um, than some of these uh, onerous regulations that the government has tried to put in place. Mm-hmm. Rob, what's been going on since the Texas Heartbeat Act? Uh, what, what's coming up at the Supreme Court that we can look for? Well, so the Texas Heartbeat Act is uh, is a law that uh, the Texas legislature passed and the governor signed, uh, Senate Bill 8, and it came out of that special session. Now, there was so much focus on what was going on in Texas with regard to voting rights and their election reforms that uh, this, um, I think, caught some people by surprise. And it's different from other heartbeat laws. And rather than empowering government officials to enforce it, it empowers the public to enforce it and really hold um, those who perform abortions responsible. Well, this has just outraged um, those uh, those pro-abortion groups. Uh, They have uh, filed a lawsuit. That lawsuit did go all the way up to the Supreme Court. But five justices said, you know what, Um, you know, this is not we're not we're we're not going to. Put a stay on this law. We're going to let it uh, continue to, to remain in place because uh, they didn't find the, the lawsuit uh, sufficient because of the way the law was written. Now, 
fast forward to December 1st, we got some news just this week that the Supreme Court has set a date to hear the Dobbs case out of Mississippi. And this, Mm -hmm. of course, is a challenge to Roe v. Wade um, with uh, a new makeup of the court uh, with at least five conservative justices. And John Roberts is sometimes hard to classify. Uh, You might have a situation where uh, up to six justices um, could vote uh, and significantly give states more power to uh, put in place laws. And frankly, this is something that the pro-life groups have been asking for for decades. They say, look, let the legislature decide, not some unelected judge make the decision about what our state should be able to do when it comes to regulating abortion. Yeah, seems like the right move to make. Rob Louie is my guest, executive editor at The Daily Signal. After a short break, we'll continue. Lots more with Rob. Tuesday started with Rob Bluey, executive editor at The Daily Signal. Head over to dailysignal.com to check it out. So, Rob, free speech under attack a little bit. Uh, I understand there was a a book that was written by Mike Gonzalez on BLM, and the Heritage Foundation were denied a advertisement. That's right. Mike came out with a new book, uh, and uh, it's, um, it's doing very well. It's a bestseller. On Amazon, and so naturally, one of the things that a lot of authors do and publishers recommend is that you boost the uh, the product by making it appear in search results and with related content. Um, it was actually nothing. It was an ad that uh, Amazon itself uh, just designs and basically gives you the opportunity to promote. And so we decided that yes, we would like to certainly help Mike out and, and give him a little bit of an extra boost here um, as. Uh, as the book was, uh, you know, already performing well. And Amazon came back to us and said, nope, um, we reject the ad. Uh, it doesn't comply with uh, our content policies. It's about uh, controversial uh, issues. And uh, therefore, um, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're blocking it. Well, <laughs> Bill, as we've talked about before, this is not the first time that uh, the Daily Signal or the Heritage Foundation has been in a situation where big tech has attempted to censor the content that, uh, that we've put out. And uh, in this particular case, um, our president, Kay James, and the Daily Signal's Fred Lucas did a story on it. And within hours of uh, Fred's Daily Signal story being published, Amazon contacted him and said, you know what? We made a mistake. Mm-hmm. We're reversing our decision, and we're going to provide training to the individual who made this determination. So a good outcome in this case, um, unfortunately, I think that this too often happens to Christians and conservatives who are trying to uh, either organically share content on these social media platforms, or in some cases, uh, even trying to pay for content on the platform, or they're they're rejected. And uh, and when they're not being rejected by the big tech companies, it seems that they're running into problems with the left. I mean, I just saw that Live Action, a, a pro life group, um, had a similar challenge with with ads on Facebook. So um, so you know, it seems like advertising is a new battleground uh, where um, where these uh, things are being fought. Mm-hmm. Another article that caught my attention at the Daily Signal was uh, Joe Kennedy, the Washington State High School football coach, fired in 2016 for praying briefly with members of his of his team after games. 
Tell us more about that story because I find that fascinating. It is a fascinating story, and it's a story we've actually been following, believe it or not, for six years now. I mean, it is just incredible how long these cases take to get through the legal system. But uh, you're absolutely right. Joe Kennedy was a a high school football coach in Washington, fired in 2016. Uh, The Daily Signal years ago did a documentary where we went there, uh, spoke to him and the students, and, and just hearing the power of prayer and uh, the, the the students' embrace of Coach Kennedy uh, hmm. was just amazing, just an amazing story. Uh, but yet there were those who um, who took issue with that, and the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which uh, traditionally is um, leaning to the left, shall we say? Uh, I know I know President Trump helped shift the balance of that court somewhat, uh, but they uh, upheld that the school district could fire Coach Kennedy and said that uh, because he was a government employee, his speech uh, violated the First Amendment's uh, prohibition on um, sponsorship of religion. And so uh, certainly I, I think that, uh, you know, there, there are many people who took issues with this. And it's one of the things that uh, First Liberty, the group that's representing Coach Kennedy, is, is going to take up uh, with the court. And so I think that uh, it, it will have implications on what goes on at, uh, at high school football games and other sporting events. And, uh, and Bill, I think the thing that's so disappointing about this is that, um, you know, as our, as our culture has moved more and more uh, away into a secular worldview, I think we're losing something. And, and it was a voluntary situation there in Washington State when Coach Kennedy was doing this. It wasn't that he was forcing his players to do this. And, uh, and you see p- players at the college level and the professional levels praying at these games. And so I think it's really unfortunate the school took this action against uh, what seemed to be a, a really beloved football coach. Well, Rob, what would happen if at a high school game there is a uh, player so severely injured he has to be taken off the field on a cart or a stretcher? Would it, it, would it be okay for the team to pray for them? Uh, for him as he's being removed? I, I guess what the, I, I, I would think that it would be okay for the team to pray, Bill, but I mean, I think what they're saying in this case, because it was the coach maybe who was initiating the prayer, okay. that that's what they took issue with. But again, it's like, where do you draw the line? I think you're raising a very valid question there. And this is why I think that um, as long as you're not forcing or compelling the team to do this, uh, it would seem that as a voluntary act, you should be able to proceed with it. So I, I think that that's one of the reasons why um, a lot of us are left scratching our head with some of these decisions that, that both not only school districts make, um, but also uh, sometimes courts uh, issue rulings that uh, that we disagree with. And and particularly at a time when it seems that our schools are, are bending over backwards to try to accommodate uh, so many different, different groups and, um, and, and other individuals, uh, it seems like they're cracking down more and more on religion, and uh, and that's unfortunate because I do think that there is an important role there. Um, for instance, my kids' schools both had a moment of silence on 9/11. I mean, are, is somebody going to object to that now? Um, right. You know, I, I just don't know how far do we want to go with this, and uh, and I hope we um, I hope that the court steps in here and and makes a favorable ruling um, for Coach Kennedy. Mm-hmm. So, Rob, what what is your take on the Afghanistan withdrawal? Well, you know, every day we, we, we continue to, to learn more and more about uh, what's, uh, what's really playing out there. And I think that uh, the, the news about the Taliban and, and others, uh, you know, is, is not good, uh, Bill. It's, um, 
it's a it's a tragic situation. There are still Americans who are, are trying to get out of uh, Afghanistan and, and others who supported the U.S. government during our 20 years there. Uh, President Biden spoke about it in uh, his speech at the United Nations today. Uh, I think a lot of Americans, uh, myself included, will agree with some of the comments. I mean, we we certainly don't like war, and I don't think anybody wants to have an endless war, as he would so often call it. But I think where Americans uh, expect better of the U.S. government is uh, is in how we left Afghanistan. Uh, There were different ways that we could have approached um, our our leaving the country, Uh, maybe not closing Bagram Air Force Base, for instance. That Mm -hmm. would have been a, a much more ideal a way to uh, get people out of that country uh, than the the crowded um, inner city airport where where the suicide bombing took place and took the lives of of those thirteen Americans. And so I, um, I I think that looking forward, you know, a lot of people said on the anniversary of nine eleven that we are less safe today than we were twenty years ago. In part because the Taliban controls more of Afghanistan today than uh, than it did then. Um, in part because uh, certain terrorist groups now may feel emboldened um, to take stronger action against the United States and those who uh, don't share their beliefs. And so uh, there's still a, a lot of work to be done. And uh, one last thing on this, Bill, um, as we saw the, the, um, the military come out on Friday and apologize for that drone strike, which, um, which unfortunately uh, killed seven children and, and other individuals in Afghanistan, um, the wrong target. I think it's going to be incredibly difficult to wage this war on terror uh, through this over-the-horizon strategy that the president has laid out. And you've even had members of his own intelligence community talk about the challenges that that stand in the way of being able to do so. Yeah. For me, I've found that it created a natural urgency to pray for scared, harassed, oppressed, and people in danger in Afghanistan right now. That is true. Um, I think that our, uh, the, uh, we need to pray for them. Uh, they need our prayers. And uh, it's, uh, it's certainly one of those things that um, is, is not going to be something that I think we can, we can forget about anytime soon. Uh, and that's in part because the threat still exists. Uh, our military leaders have said that. Um, we'll hear more from them in the coming weeks as they testify. I believe they're coming to Capitol Hill next week. Uh, for for testimony, so you better believe that they um, they will be talking about some of these things, and and frankly, uh, that's already a um, a contentious area of the world. I mean, we know that China wants to exert its influence in Afghanistan, and China, in many cases, is not a friend of the United States. Um, so, Bill, we do need to keep a close watch on that area, and uh, we do need to send our prayers to them. Yeah, it's. Uh... I hear stories, and I'm reading some things that are, are very alarming. Of course, uh, the, I think there's been so many restrictions, especially uh, oppression on women, and I think there was a lot of progress that was made in Afghanistan, uh, and now a lot of it's getting reversed very quickly. That's that's absolutely correct. Uh, I mean, the the fact that, that so many of the provinces fell as quickly as they did, I yeah. think, is a uh, is a reminder of that, and. Uh, and that you have now have infighting. You have infighting within the Taliban. You have infighting among some of the groups, the Haqqani Network, the known terrorist organization. The fact that you have prisoners who were released from uh, Guantanamo Bay, captured after 9-11, who are now in leadership yeah. positions in their government. Um, yeah, there's just a number of things to be alarmed about. Yeah. Rob, thanks for taking the time today. Always great to be with you. It's great to talk to you, Bill. Have a good week. You bet. Rob Lewis has been my guest, executive editor at The Daily Signal. After a short break, we're going to talk to Dr. Greg Borgon and question we're going to ask is, have you ever wondered why God has not appeared in any form since the time of Christ walking the earth? 
It's all coming up next. Be right back. Dancing in the night, turned out all the lights, singing from the bottom of the heart. What's up with her? I'd say she's in love. Provocative question, where is God? Have you ever wondered why God has not appeared in any form since the time of Christ walking the earth? Dr. Greg Borgon is my guest. We're going to discuss that very topic. Greg, welcome. Yeah, it's good to be here. Yeah, this is a fun fun tease you gave me. <laughs> I've got my, uh, my, my journal out, my moleskin journal out, and my <laughs> pen, and I'm ready to write. Should we start? Let's please do. You know... Uh, I had such a wonderful time in Ireland where just... You bringing this up again? Oh, yes. <laughs> just to rub it in. <laughs> I thought we were friends. And just, to, just some thought to some subjects that have been on my mind for some time and really spend some time with them. And one day as I was at the, the stone wall with a cup of hot tea overlooking a pasture full of sheep, listening to them baying and watching roosters run around or chickens run around... I kept going over my mind, why in the world have we not seen any physical manifestation of God in any form uh, since the time of Christ, when Christ last appeared to 500 people um, before his resurrection? So, you know, the question I would ask the audience, and I think they would probably resonate with it, is have you ever wondered why God has not appeared in any form? Mm-hmm. Um now, however, he certainly makes his presence known through what we call general and special revelation. For instance, and general revelation has everything to do with nature. It has to do with the fact that God has given us a conscience, even though that conscience can be calloused by sin. Uh, it gives us our first barometer of what's right or wrong. That was given to us as a general revelation. Every human being that walks the earth has a conscience, and prior to coming to Christ, it probably represented all levels of calcification, which desensitizes them from making decisions about right or wrong. But And, and the other, the third element, uh, I believe, Bill, about general revelation is found in Ecclesiastes 3, 10, and 11, where it says that God has placed eternity and to each person's soul, yet not so that we know what God's done from the beginning to the end. And as we've talked about in your show before, it compels us to ask questions repeatedly over the course of our life. Why am I here? Am I making any progress? And what I'll do have any lasting impact? Always is about um, those kinds of questions. They keep rising, but we can't claim origination. We're, the sense of the eternal, that there's something else out there, has been embedded in our very souls. So that's general revelation. So, and you know, we can go to Romans one twenty, for instance. It says, "For the since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse." Not a physical appearance, but certainly a manifestation of His presence. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we give it some thought, 
We read in Psalm 19, 1 through 4, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. So it's out there. You can sense it. You can see it. Um, you may not be able to connect the dots, but you sense there's something beyond your, your own existence. Then, of course, we have special revelation. Special revelation is how God has chosen to reveal himself through a, a number of, of, of avenues. Special revelation includes physical appearances of God, like in the Old Testament, um, his, uh, manifesting, uh, manifesting his presence in things like dreams, and, and certainly the written word is a special revelation. And most importantly, Jesus Christ is special revelation. So God determined to have the truth regarding uh, him recorded in written form because he knew the accuracy and unreliability, the inaccuracy and unreliability of oral tradition, because that's how it was passed down in Old Testament times. Um, So he also understood that the dreams and visions of man can be misinterpreted. So God decided to reveal everything that humanity needs to know about him what he expects, and what he has done for us in the Bible. So the ultimate form of special revelation, of course, is the person of Jesus Christ. God became a human being, it says in John chapter 1, verse 1 through 14. And Hebrews 1, uh, verses 1 through 3 summarizes it best, I think, Bill. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. The sun is the radiance of God's glory in the exact representation of his being. So God became a human being in the person of Jesus Christ to identify with us, to set an example for us, to teach us, to reveal himself to us, and most importantly, to provide salvation for us by humbling himself in the death on the cross. In my devotions last night with my grandson and his friend, who God gave me the honor of leading him to Christ uh, several months ago, um, we talked about, I, I asked him this question. I said, if you, I said, picture an, uh, an anthill full of ants. How would you as a human being communicate to those ants? How would they be able to understand you? And Galen says right away, well, you'd have to be an ant. <laughs> and I said, that's just what God did mm-hmm. because he's infinite. Um, his attributes far uh, outweigh us as humans. And so he took the form of a human being and started to convey God's special revelation about who he is. So back to our question. In these difficult times, why has he not made a physical appearance? You'd think that the current chaos and the ever-increasing influence of the enemy in the world would warn his presence. So Satan influences over the world cannot be denied. Uh, we see it all around us. We see it here in, in Minnesota, certainly. But it's everywhere, and it's expanding. It seems to be increasing. But God's patient. He's wanting to bring everyone who believes into his kingdom before the doors close. We may want him to appear right now because of the chaos. But God is patient. He's loving. And he's giving everyone an opportunity to at least hear the gospel and to respond in belief. So his patience is never-ending. So there's been, of course, unsubstantiated um, declarations of his presence in the form of tears from statues or blood flowing from wounds on crucifixes and the like. Even near-death experiences, that's become a popular theme of late. I always find it um, a a little bit troublesome, these near-death experiences, Bill, for the following reasons. For instance... um, one, can, uh, one common feature of near-death experiences 
uh, a mini-state that winged angels escort them down a tunnel of ever-increasing light. Well, in my study of scriptures, angels don't have wings. The only ones that did were the seraphim and the cherubim. So it causes me to doubt that. Now, I'm not, if somebody out there has had that kind of experience, please don't take that as a undue criticism. It's just my own experience, my own journey, my own understanding of scripture uh, causes me to doubt that somewhat. But these events, again, are not verifiable, nor are they, uh, can you replicate them. I think, Bill, they're they're just simply the outworking of fertile minds and hearts longing for someone or something to worship, a sought-after demonstration of God's reality. And so we desperately want to do that. I mean, you go back to the Old Testament, you saw the Israelites, even after Moses was given the Ten Commandments and God spoke on the mountain, what did they do? They built something that they could see, a golden calf that they could worship. So... I have a premise that I think will answer the question, where is God? Why hasn't he manifested himself in any demonstrative way uh, that we could recognize him? Wouldn't that put everything to bed? Wouldn't that put all those who question his existence, uh, uh, you know, uh, on alert? So here's my premise. The absence of a physical manifestation of God underscores our need to exercise obedient faith in what we cannot or what cannot be seen and may or will not be seen until Christ's second coming. So I believe the answer to these questions are found, as I said, in Scripture. It has everything to do with an understanding of faith, what faith is and what faith requires of believers. So let's dig a little deeper. In an article posted in GodQuestions.org, we read the following clarifying comments. Where does faith come from? Faith is not something that we conjure up on our own, nor is it something we are born with, nor is faith the result of diligent study or pursuit of the spiritual. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 makes it clear that faith is a gift from God. So not because we deserve it, have earned it, or even are worthy to have it. It's not from ourselves, it's from God. It is not obtained by the power, by our power or our free will. Faith is simply given to us by God, along with his grace and mercy, according to his holy plan and purpose, and because of that, he gets all the glory. So why have faith? God designed a way to distinguish between those, and this, this is important, Bill, between those who belong to him and those who don't. And it's called faith. Very simply, we need faith to please God. God tells us that it pleases him that we believe in him even though we cannot see him. A key part of Hebrews eleven six tells us that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Mm-hmm. This is not to say that we have faith in God just to get something from him. However, God loves to bless those who are obedient and faithful. We see a perfect example of this in Luke 7.50. Jesus is engaging in dialogue with a sinful woman when he gives us a glimpse of why faith is so rewarding. He says this, he says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, she didn't know him from Adam. Mm -hmm. Now, the very fact that he may have declared how many times she'd been married, that that created a, a flag for her, that there must be something to this individual that's standing in front of her. But here, he says to her, your faith has saved you, go in peace. 
Now, the woman believed in Jesus Christ by faith, and he rewarded her for it. Finally, faith is what sustains us to the end. No matter what's happening around us, no matter how depressed or despairing or discouraged we might be because of what we're witnessing or maybe even what we're experiencing personally, no matter any of those things, um, our faith should sustain us through the end. Through him, it says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your soul. So this woman believed in Jesus by faith and he rewarded her for it. Finally, he says that faith with, uh, is, is what sustains us to the end. So the final comment I would make about uh, this preliminary uh, area here is, according to the Bible, faith is essential uh, to Christianity. When I taught a course on world cults and world religions, I put on the side of the board two words are on the top of the board. I put works and I put faith. And then I had them go through all of these cults and all of these world religions and Christianity and determine what side of the board they were on. All of them were based on works except Christianity, which is based on faith. So, according to the Bible, faith is essential to Christianity. Without demonstrating faith and trust in God, we have no place with him. We believe in God's existence by faith. Most people have a vague, disjointed notion of who God is, but lack the reverence necessary for his exalted position in their lives. They choose to live life on the horizontal plane devoid of any vertical relationship with God. They feel they've got the answer to life. These people lack true faith that's needed to have an eternal relationship with God loves them. So our faith can falter at times, but because it is a gift of God given to his children, he provides times of trial and testing in order to prove that our faith is real and to sharpen and strengthen it. This is why James tells us to consider it pure joy when we fall into trials, because the testing of our faith produces perseverance and matures us, providing the evidence that our faith is real, according to James 1, 2 through 4. So let's go ahead and go even a little deeper. I think we should do that after the break, though. Okay. Are you good with that? I'm good with that. Yeah, this is fascinating. I want to continue this, but I do want to take a short break. Dr. Greg Borgon is my guest. He is the uh, founder and president of Heart of a Warrior. Go to heartofawarrior.org. We'll take a short break. Be right back. Greg Borgon is my guest. He is the founder and president of Heart of a Warrior Ministries. Go heartofawarrior.org. And we are talking about the appearance of God, which we have not seen since Jesus. And we're wondering mm-hmm. why God has not appeared in any form since the time of, of Jesus walking the earth. And uh, right now, when, right before we went to break, we talked about, uh, we're going to talk about faith and how we define it. Yeah. So let's, let's define it. Biblical scholarship defines faith as belief 
or firm persuasion or assurance or firm conviction and even faithfulness. So faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance that the Lord is working even though we cannot see it. Faith knows that no matter what the situation in our lives or someone else's, that the Lord is working in it. So let's explore the scriptural evidence for my premise. Uh, Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith is the connecting power into the spiritual realm, which links us with God and makes him uh, become a tangible reality to the sense perceptions of a person. So faith is the basic ingredient to begin a relationship with God. Faith is the assurance that things revealed and promised in the Bible are true, even though unseen, and gives the believer a conviction that what he or she expects in faith will actually come to pass. Faith is the tangible evidence of what is hoped for. So so tangible that faith itself is the evidence or reality of those things that are not yet visible. So it's impossible to be saved without faith, because it says in Scripture, Hebrews eleven six, without faith it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe, that is, trust in, rely on, and cling to for everything you know him to be at that moment, that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So everything in salvation is based on faith. We have to believe in that which we can't see. Faith is the spiritual force that overcomes great opposition and actually can carry a person through great trials and triumphs over circumstances in the natural realm. And we can hear story after story of people conquering seemingly insurmountable problems because of their faith. Such faith is displayed in the life of Abraham. He's cited as the father of faith. By faith, he uprooted his whole family uh, in a land that he was very familiar with to go to a land he was totally unfamiliar with. He was promised by God that he would have a son, even in late age, and that's when Sarah laughed. (laughs) And he also, his faith was so strong when God called him to sacrifice that which was most precious to him, his son Isaac, he followed through and the Lord stopped him. He became the father of faith because he trusted in what he couldn't see. So Abraham is our father of faith. So one biblical source identified three essentials of faith, Bill. Knowledge, which is the engagement of the mind. Response, which is the stirring of the emotions. And commitment, a commitment of will, an active commitment of will. So other scriptures that support my premise... For we walk by faith and not by sight, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he'll receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded man, unstable in all his ways, James 1, 5 through 8. In 1 John 5, 4, we read, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Beautiful. I mean, no matter what we face, folks, no matter how dire it appears, no matter how impossible it seems, our faith will carry us over the bridge of that doubt and will compel us to act in ways that are not understood by the world around us. 
In 1 Corinthians 16, 13, one of my favorite passages for men uh, and women, because it applies to both, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men and women, be strong. Uh, here we find in, in Romans 1.17, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And I would just add, let me underscore again, not by sight, not by some physical manifestation of holy God, but by faith, knowing that he exists and that we trust him. And then we read in 1 Peter 1.8 and 9, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. In in 2 Corinthians 5, 6, and 7, so we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we're away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. So asking for a physical manifestation of God out of the union of our hearts really is wrong for us to do. Uh, well, I'm seeing it now, loud and clear. It's, it's God mm-hmm. expects of us in obedience, trust me. Yeah. I am trustworthy. You can't see me. You it, see the effects of my activity in your life, but there will come a day when I will appear in my power and my glory. Yeah. But until then, it is you finished. trust me by faith. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Then in Hebrews 10, 38, but my righteous one, talking about us, shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Then we read in Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace and in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts to the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And finally, in Romans 8, 24, 25, probably a passage unfamiliar to a lot of our listeners, for in this hope we are saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. Think about that for a minute. Mm-hmm. Hope that isn't seen is not hope. For hope that who is hopes seen. for what he's seen. That's right. Hope now, that hope is that seen, is, is, seen not is not hope. Okay. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So what do we glean from all of this? Let me just give you a few points that came to my heart as I was doing this research. So what can we gather from this? One, we are to live by faith and not by sight. Two, Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Three, Christ will finally become visible at his second coming, not till then. Four, until then, believers are to live by faith and faith alone. Five, rely on the Bible and trust in God's existence by faith. Six, faith is what is not seen. Uh, faith in what is not seen requires obedient trust. Eight, such faith is proof of our commitment to him. This is what honors God. He said in Scripture, this is what pleases him. Nine, requiring a visible demonstration of existence is not faith at all. And finally, ten, that day will come, but until then, we're to live by faith. That's very 
Well done, Greg Borgond, <laughs> and and very encouraging. It's, it's well, it should be for us. It is. It's so encouraging that we're we always live by think faith. there's something wrong with us. Why haven't he appeared to me? He must have appeared to somebody else. No, God wants you to live by faith mm-hmm. because that's what honors Him. So trust in the faith and not what you see. Yeah, but we love we love signs and oh, we love dude, miracles. We? Oh, we do. If we had a sign, we'd ask for a second one to validate the first one. Probably, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I think of myself as 100% accountable to God. He's not accountable to me. And my job is to be obedient. Obedient. And, and part uh, of that obedience is to live by faith. Live by faith and patiently wait for his return. The world won't understand it, but yeah. it'll bring such coherence and consistency and congruence to our life and give us the ability to overcome seemingly insurmountable problems because of our trust in him. Mm-hmm. For those who feel um, like they need a word of prayer, Greg, can you pause us in prayer? Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that you did appear in the person of your son so long ago and that you have revealed yourself a special revelation through your word. We want to trust in you. Give us the courage to trust in you, Lord. You told us that in expression of our obedience, we're to live by faith. Help us to trust in something we cannot see because we see the results of what you're doing in our life. So, Father, I pray for everyone that's listening. Give them the measure of faith needed to trust you no matter what. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Dr. Greg Borgon has been my guest. Heartofawarriors.com is his website. .org. .org, that's what I meant. I meant .org. I always mean .org, right? <laughs> Thank you for correcting me. You can always go there and check out his uh, writing, his books, his teaching, and learn more about him there. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, uh, Dr. Tim Walsh and Kevin Saunders will be joining me. We're going to talk about poverty. That's all coming up next. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.